Welcome in, ladies and gentlemen, to another edition of the Go 24-7 podcast. Another commitment rolls in for LSU as Coy Moore, the 2020 Archbishop Rummel wide receiver, announced on Saturday that he's committed to the Tigers, staying in state. A big recruiting win for wide receivers coach Mickey Joseph, that New Orleans area recruiter, Joe Brady, and look, the entire LSU offense. You get a 6'1", 174-pound wide receiver who had offers from the likes of Florida, Oregon, USC. Plenty of others wanted him. They get him on board. Now the fourth wide receiver in this recruiting class, joining Rakeem Jarrett, Jermaine Burton, and Kayshawn Boutte. So look, I'm Billy Embody. With me, Shay Dixon. What's your initial reaction? This is, this is somebody that seemed like LSU would get him right from the start. He commits to USC, decommits, was very kind of, I think, up in the air in terms of where that recruitment would go. But ultimately, LSU puts the press on. It pays off with the addition of Coy Moore. Yeah, I think it was a job well done here because, look, last February on signing day, Orgeron said we're going to have to go national for so many reasons in this class. And uh, we saw them do that out of the gate. It was very clear that um, look, Kayshawn Butte got on early and then they made an effort with uh, a number of out-of-state receivers, and they get Jermaine Burton to pop off the West Coast. They get Rakeem Jarrett uh, to pop off the East Coast. And then those guys, Jermaine Burton uh, goes to the opening and looks like one of the best receivers in the country. You know, people on the East Coast uh, still feel that Jarrett is one of the more explosive guys, um, you know, in that area and, and certainly in the country. And then we've seen what Butte can do. He can run track. Uh, he's Westgate's best player. He's on fire every Friday night. So, I already thought that they had on paper the best recruiting class receiver-wise in the country, um, but then you reel in more. So you look across the kind of lay of the land of Louisiana this cycle, and I think at the end of the day, you would say, okay, if you came away with Butte and Coy Moore, and then you also got two of the top six receivers in the country to add to that, you would say that's amazing job. Uh, you know, that's the two best receivers in Louisiana, uh, in most people's opinion, and two of the better receivers in the country. So the fact that LSU did all that before they've played a down this year, which is a lot of what they're selling to these guys, is this new-look offense. They're going to be throwing it a lot more. Uh, As the kids would say, the current players, everybody's eating in this offense. It's not the Justin Jefferson show as it was a year ago, Um, you know, by all accounts, really, with the receivers. He was the guy eating up all the touches. Uh, I think they'll move it around more this year, and – I think, Billy, that'll be something that goes a long way towards holding on to this group is that they all see that, look, LSU's got, by and large, outside of like guys like Jamar Chase and Terrace Marshall, who are sophomores, a lot of older receivers who are going to be playing and then are going to be on their way out. So if the offense really does look different, you know, I don't know, markedly different or even slightly, but uh, I'll say this, if they're productive and the receivers are getting involved, I think all these guys are going to want to stick, and I think they'll walk out with the best receiver class in the country. And that's one thing for me, watching Rakeem Jarrett's actions, right? That's the one that people are going to circle, and not to go off on a tangent, but that's the one people have been circling that they're worried about, right? He visited Tennessee officially. It seemed like there was a little bit of smoke that he was you know, not going to stay committed. And look, I mean, we don't know. That could still very well be the case. He ends up elsewhere, but... I don't think his decisions have, have matched the kind of you know smoke that there was as far as the decommitment. He seems pretty actively involved as a commit. Yeah, no, I'm with you. And we'll see what actions speak louder than words. We'll see if he's out visiting a bunch of schools uh, in the fall. But 
Uh, I like this addition, and I like that, look, we've both seen Koi throughout the spring. I mean, if we combined how many times each of us has seen him, it'd be into the double digits. And um, we can talk about his game, but I'll ask you what I feel like. He brings something a little different than the other three, and I think that maybe if you're looking at testing him or how fast does he run a 40, he might not be as fast as those other three guys, but I think his route running and his hands and his just knowledge of the game I think he'll a guy will be quickly catching on in college, and um, like I said, uh, taking a guy like that in the slot is a good thing. You need those type of players, and um, I think you described him well uh, on another podcast. He's a first down machine. I mean, he can yeah. sit and find a hole in the defense and, and just eat up catches. Yeah, he's somebody that when you look at the future of LSU's offense, and this will, while I think like you mentioned, Coy will come in and grasp very quickly what LSU's doing offensively. He's going to have to battle. Jamar Chase, Terrace Marshall, um, you don't know, maybe Justin Jefferson will be back, Trey Palmer, guys that have, that have been around, and and then he's also going to have to battle the, the other trio of wide receivers. So we'll find out if immediate playing time something that he's going to bring to the table, but he's going to be out there every weekend getting balls from Peter Parrish, getting balls from Miles My- Brennan, uh, TJ Finley, and, and Max Johnson as those guys get into the offense, and somebody that loves to work and and loves to get that connection with that quarterback where he can find those open spots in the zones, sit down, pick up first down yardage, keep drives moving. And that's something that as LSU continues to evolve this offense, is going to be even more important. Uh, that quick passing game, that, that that's the real big thing that I think has been stressed is how quickly the ball comes out in this offense. And that's where Corey thrives. Yes, you can take your shots down the field with, you know, Jamar or Terrace or whoever, but People, players like Coy are critical to making sure this offense can continue to pick up first downs. Yes, yeah, I, I like this addition. I also like, you mentioned his work ethic is is as good as anyone in the class in terms of Louisiana. The kids that we get to see all the time, uh, he's putting in the work. It seems like he's been extra motivated this offseason. And so often, and now that he's part of the class, we can include him in the conversation, but there's a few guys in this class where you say, well, damn, their junior season stats don't really match what we see in the spring, like Max Johnson, for instance. We saw him throwing in the spring at LSU. He looked much improved. He's a good athlete. He comes from um, you know, quarterback stock. He's got a talented brother. And then you look at his completion percentage in the 30s or whatever it was, and you say, okay, that doesn't really make sense. And Coy Moore fits that for me because – you look at his stats a year ago, I think he had three, 400 yards receiving. He had two or three touchdowns. And then you see him in the spring in a number of settings, and you say, okay, something's not adding up here. So he's one as a senior at Rummel. He's your showcase guy. Um, I know he's got a new quarterback. Um, Chandler Fields is at UL now. But I'm interested to see how big of an impact he can make because it just didn't make sense. What what his production was a year ago, and then when you see him now, doesn't quite vibe. I get the sense that they're going to want to lean on him a lot more as a senior. Yeah, and look, I mean, we I watched Wickersham, Kyle Wickersham, uh, his quarterback this year, and and Coy work out at LSU, and you know, I mean, Wickersham is somebody that I know a number of in-state schools. Not, I, I wouldn't say he's ready to be on that watch list for LSU, but a number of in-state schools are keeping an eye on to to bring him on as as their potential quarterback. So he's got some talent at quarterback. Um, Chandler's impressing at UL already, and I think they're just going to have to manufacture ways to get him the ball because this Rumble team has some talent. It really does, but you know that that entire thing has to be put together for Coy to get the ball, and I'm interested to see how they use him this year. 
It's a good pickup. I like the pickup. This is a job. Well, you mentioned it off top. Job well done by Mickey Joseph. Coming off a year where you got John Emery. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it seems like we've looked into the future of New Orleans 2021 and 2022. And it's got more talent than these past couple classes have had. And I think that's fair to say. So um, I like the addition. I don't. I know Coy was committed to USC before and decommitted, said, let me explore all my options. I think he's done now. There's no more looking around. I think that his family is going to be happy with him staying home. Uh, And I think Coy's wanted to this whole offseason. I think he's been attracted to LSU through this idea of a new passing game and then making him uh, more and more of a priority. And add another uh, Raider to the roster. I know that they've got two, both wearing number one this year, Christian Fulton and... and, uh, and Jamar Chase, obviously Fulton will be gone, but uh, there'll be two Rommel Raiders in the wide receiver room um, next year. Maybe Jamar Chase is the number one guy, and then Coy Moore bringing uh, up that, you know, the group of younger kids. Yeah, no doubt. And look, we're going to discuss a little bit more about kind of what Coy's commitment means to, to, to the 2020 class. I think I want to talk a little bit about Mickey Joseph after the break as well and the job he's done uh, in the New Orleans area. So we'll be right back with more on the Go 24-7 podcast right after this. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome back to the Go 24-7 podcast. Thanks for listening to the Go 24-7 podcast. Please leave us a rating, a review, hit that subscribe button, share us with your family and friends. Uh, That is very much appreciated. Now, with the commitment of Coy Moore, I think it's a perfect time to take a look at the job Mickey Joseph has done, uh, not only being sometimes a secondary recruiter on, on some of the guys like Terrace Marshall, like um, you know some of the other guys they've signed, but Marshall comes to mind, but he's handled that New Orleans market, which isn't easy to do. That's a, that's a difficult place when you're LSU and you've got to manage relationships, you've got to manage these, these, these recruits and either say, hey, you know, be patient. Or hey, we you know you're our guy like right off the bat. It, it's a difficult line to walk, and I thought with Coy's recruitment, it's probably one of the best examples of how you go about doing that and coming away with a with a legit LSU type player. Yeah, look, I've been I've been impressed by what he's able to do because we saw it with John Emery a year ago, right? Everybody written it off. Oh no, you know he's not going to go to LSU. He's going to go elsewhere. He's going to go to Georgia. Um, he decommits from Georgia, and Mickey just seemed to maintain the same level of, I'm just going to keep recruiting him, keep recruiting him, keep recruiting him, and then finally the, the dam breaks. And it was almost exactly what happened with Jamar Chase, mm-hmm. who was going to TCU, and then it was Florida, and it was Auburn. He's never going to Auburn. He was not going to go to LSU. He wanted to leave the state, and 
And Mickey Joseph sort of just kept chipping away, chipping away, chipping away, and then he comes. Uh, and now we see Coy Moore. Or early on, it was, I'm going to Southern Cal. I'm living, you know, I'm kind of honoring Joe McKnight, who came through and went to Southern Cal. And uh, ultimately, Mickey Joseph just kept kind of going and going. And, and like you say, you have to manage certain things. They were taking other receivers. They yep. took Butte. They took Raheem Jarrett. They took Jermaine Burton. They were hosting EJ Williams. They were hosting uh, other top receivers. And Mickey Joseph just kept pounding and pounding. And I think that they're kind of still watching that with a couple of guys. And Shad Johnson is right. one who yeah. he's sort of been just quietly recruiting all along to see where he ultimately goes. Said Van Pran kind of in that mix, maybe not as much as Johnson, but we've seen Mickey prove to be a really good hire in the New Orleans area. But let's not forget, and you can maybe argue that as tough as it is to manage everything in New Orleans, LSU was not like in Lover's Lane in Tangipahoa Parish coming off of Devonta Smith and Shaheem Carter and then Sopshire's Love in Bama. And he went in there and was a lead recruiter for Devonta Lee and Trey Palmer. And he got them both. Yeah. And they both, and they, they had other options. They could have gone other places. So impressive really run um, by Mickey Joseph and Tawson, you know, Dante Stark, some other guys that they've signed out of New Orleans. And um, it, it's been, it's been an impressive run. Yeah. And the, the Devonte Lee thing and, and Trey Palmer ones are, are important to note because at that time, I mean, Joe Brady wasn't hired. No. That, and, and so that whole optimism around changing the offense and doing all of this and that wasn't, I would say, there as much as it was just, oh, Joe Burrow's coming back. They're going to be better offensively this year. No doubt. No doubt. He got um, he buckled in and made that happen sort of in a weird shift of time. It was Inzmiger's first full-time year. Um, I think them playing well certainly helped. But even Trey Palmer committed before the season even mm-hmm. started. So... Uh, I've been impressed by Mickey Joseph. I think he's one guy who quietly, if you say you've got six targets to go get, it seems like at the end of the day when the dust settles, four or five of them are in, and you would have thought, oh, man, I thought they were going to get half these guys. And sort of in the end, his guys always seem to say, okay, I do want to stay home, you know? Yeah, and just as a as kind of a, a, a caveat to all of it, I, I, when Ed was hired and uh, was, was, was the full-time coach for the first time that first season that he had Mickey on staff they went and this is coming off of when you know they met, moved on from Jabarja Luke so there was certainly some repairing to go in New Orleans they show up to Edna Carr Landry Walker and it was like a rock star kind of walked in they helicoptered in landed and Mickey and Ed just walked around the entire field did their lap and you know the amount of people that stop Mickey Joseph rather than stop Ed Ogeron is pretty incredible. I mean, it's everybody seems to say, hey, Mickey, hey, Mickey, hey, Mickey. And he's got to stop and he's got to shake the hands and do all those things. So it's it's certainly a, a difficult job uh, to handle. I thought you were going to break into the full song. Hey, Mickey, you so fine. I just thought you were going for it. No, <laughs> no well, I mean, when you're, me a, when you're a Joseph and you had the career he did at Shaw and then you go to Nebraska, I mean, you're royalty. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I think that the... That hire couldn't have gone better for them, certainly from a recruiting standpoint. That, I mean, you look at the last couple of classes, the last few, I mean, in each class, he's signed at least one of the top four or five guys that they've gotten. And, and I think I think the last two, three years, it's been five stars too. Emery and Chase and you know Marshall That's being right. the second one. So very productive run for Mickey Joseph. Uh, what's next, I mean, for LSU? We just talked about it, you know, this week. And, um, you know, now it's looking like only a couple spots left. Yeah, and again, and we've reiterated on the board everything. 
you have tw- you know, whenever you have twenty something commits, everybody always starts saying, "Oh man, you can only go to twenty five. You better watch out." There's only well now you're down to four spots, three, two, and and they're sort of counting them off like that. And I think it's fluid. You know, it's the same the same people who you say, "Okay, well they've got twenty something commits," and you say, "Well, it's not signing day. Wake me up on signing day when you know every one of those guys is signed." Great point. I don't think that every one of these kids in the class is going to wind up signing on signing day for often a variety of reasons. A kid could decommit and say, I don't want to go to LSU. Or LSU could say, look, things haven't worked out. You'd have a better shot of playing somewhere else. And that's kind of conversations that happen between coaches and parents and high school coaches behind closed doors and, uh, and all that. But I wouldn't worry too much. I worry more about just thinking, okay, they need offensive tackles. Uh-huh. So whatever you do to make your numbers work, Get you a good offensive tackle or two, however you feel about that. Uh, and then running back, probably. And I don't think they have to have a running back, but I think they're in a good enough position to where with Zach Evans and then Ashad Johnson, I think that they can come away with one of them, a better chance at Johnson. But you're almost to the point of you would be deciding not to take him, like almost not turning him away, but saying, no, mm-hmm. we don't need that. And I couldn't see that happening. I think that they would value a running back if – He's healthy as a senior and looks like he's looked. They mm-hmm. would value that over a few of the guys that are in the class or, or skipping the running back position altogether. So mm-hmm. I'm saying offensive tackle. I'm saying running back. And then we'll see. They've gone on a run of defensive lines. Obviously, nose tackle. Jacoby yeah, Gillard, Gillard, right? Yeah. So I'd say you're holding three spots out there, maybe four, and, and they'll make the numbers work. And, and we'll see how it all shifts. But OT, running back, and then nose tackle are, are the three spots I look at going into senior years of what they need. Yeah, and you know it is kind of a I, – sometimes I feel dumb just saying on the board, well, the numbers always work out. But it, it really is true. I mean – Well, in just LSU's a, case, they sometimes – I mean, last year they came up short and Desmond Little gets you know yeah. in at the very last second. We've seen a long line of that happening of mm-hmm. guys getting the call on signing day. So – not many times has it been where it's like, oh man, we have three five stars that all want in, but we only yeah. have this one spot. What are we going to do? They're not going to be in that position. Yeah. So often you'll come up short beyond going over, and or maybe you hit right on 25. But I think with LSU where they are right now, given they already have this many commits, and you know that, okay, we want Guillory, you know, this is the staff talking. We want Guillory, we want an elite offensive tackle, and we're monitoring sort of running back best available that allows you to put yourself there to take 25 and not really have to worry yeah. about the number. I mean, it's, I think it's just going to work out fine for them to where by December even, I think we have a good grip of they're probably signing 23 guys then, 24, to yeah. where February signing day will not be kind of the big deal it's been in, in recent years. Yep, they're in a great spot to uh, not only just, yeah, I think, go into this final year or this you know, senior year for these 2020 guys looking at, you know, Zach Evans, Ashad Johnson, any elite offensive tackle they can get their hands on, and then Jacoby and Guillory. But look, I mean, they're set up to just be locked into a top four, top three type recruiting class, I think. Yeah, and they've been there all year. I mean, they were one and two and three and four. They've never dropped out of the top five. They've always been in that top three range. They're Mm -hmm. there now again. Uh, And I'm with you. If you can just hold on tight the rest of the way and then add a couple of guys you're finishing with, I don't know, a top five class, probably – Two to four. You know, I think they, I don't know if people are going to catch Clemson, but the caveat with Clemson's class is they don't take a lot of people. So mm-hmm. they might have 20, you know, 19 signees and half of them are five stars, but 
there could be some teams jumping them with points just because mm-hmm. they signed 25 guys and you know ended up with a nice class. So I do think Clemson has a really special class. I think the same for LSU. Um, but yes, they are. You look at it; it's LSU, Bama, Clemson. It's been that way all spring, and it's going to be that way kind of moving into the senior years for all these kids. And we'll be tracking it all on go247.com. So feel free to pick up a seven-day trial and subscription. Check out, really, I mean, all we've got uh, going right now. Plenty of uh, analysis on Coy Moore's addition to the LSU recruiting class and plenty more to come from fall camp as uh, really we're, we're getting down. We're in, we're in the back half of the month. You can kind of feel uh, football season just right around the corner. I'm ready. Austin can't get here soon enough. I'm skipping week one. <laughs> yeah, you're just going to take I'm it out. off. You're taking it off. Yeah, okay, bye week for Shea Dixon on August 31st against Georgia Southern. We'll have uh, you guys covered, though, even without Shea. I'll be there. Yeah. Thank, thinking of Austin. You can't stay away. So with that, guys, appreciate you listening to the podcast. Uh, have a great rest of the weekend, and uh, feel free to have a, a beverage on us uh, as LSU celebrates uh, Coy Moore jumping into the 2020 recruiting class.